in a Montessori environment, you know, by focusing on memory books and um, reminiscence tools, storytelling, and you know, using fine motor skill activities, families can actually contribute to the maintenance of skills that people have. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant, educator, and caregiver support group leader. I've written two books for caregivers and an international speaker on caregiving issues. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and certified music therapist. I have not written any books on caregiving, but I have read a couple, especially Bobby's. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer some practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two. And we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Now, come on, you know I don't forget your wine. Haven't yet. (laughs) (laughs) When we started this, you know, caregiving for your dad when he came to live with us, believe it or not, 19 years ago. I know, it's very hard to believe. There weren't as many resources for caregivers, or if they were out there, I certainly didn't know about them. But since that time, there's been a significant increase in training opportunities in dementia care, not only here, but globally. Today's guest comes to us from Australia. She's a registered nurse and subject matter expert on the application of Montessori principles for aged care and dementia. She holds qualifications in postgraduate dementia management, assessment, and workplace training in dementia care mapping. She is the current chair of the Association of Montessori International and is considered an Australian and world leader in Montessori methods. Her work over the past 38 years has taken her not only across Australia, but also around the world, providing training, mentoring, and consultation to care communities developing Montessori environments. Please welcome Anne Kelly. Anne, I am so glad to have you here. Until I saw a video of you on Facebook, I had not heard of Montessori in relation to dementia. And I'm absolutely fascinated to hear what you have to share with us and our listeners today. Uh, Thank you very much for the opportunity to share my work with you and to tell you a little bit about Montessori for Aging and Dementia. Quite rightly, as you said, most people um, have not heard of Montessori um, for Aging and Dementia. It is a term that people associate with uh, schooling and Montessori schools. Um, Montessori for Aging and Dementia is based on the work of um, the original work of Dr. Maria Montessori. And um, as some of your listeners will know, she was instrumental in establishing a system of education. What we actually get with Montessori um, schooling system is we get classroom that focuses on the child, that enables meaningful engagement um, and promotes high self-esteem and independence. Now, it is the ethos, if you like, and that philosophy that transfers over into aged care. It doesn't matter how old we are, whether we're three years of old, age, five years, 50 or 110, we all need to feel valued and we all need to feel that our lives matter. And so um, what can happen with older people 
um, particularly older people who are living with dementia, is that they can be robbed of their independence, their self-esteem and their sense of worth. And so it is that philosophy of independence, choice, meaningful engagement that transfers over. Um, so um, we have been working now with Montessori for Dementia and Ageing for many um, years. Um, you know, there has been a lot of work that's gone on around the world. Um, in the US, um, people like Dr. Cameron Camp, Jen um, Jennifer Brush from Brush Development is working with many care homes um, and organisations across the US. We've got um, Gail Elliott in Canada who does very similar work to what I do um, in Australia. Um, and certainly from our work in Australia, we are um, you know, making huge differences to supporting people um, living with dementia and also their family carers. So is your outreach mainly to care homes and facilities or to family caregivers or is it both? Uh, it's both, actually. It's both. I work with uh, my current work is I work with a lot of organisations that are community based that work with families. Um, and um, so what they're doing is taking Montessori into family homes and supporting family caregivers. Um, and of course, people in residential aged care or care homes, but even in care homes, families are an important part of that role. We're still working with families. Um, you know, families are the ones who know the person better than anybody else. Um, so we, in a Montessori environment, we can't work without involving all the key players for supporting somebody. Well, it's interesting that you you mentioned working with the families even when the loved one or family member is in a care home. Many times when it comes to making that decision to, to place somebody to, be, to get the best possible care, family members feel really guilty. And, and I like to tell them um, caregiving isn't location-based, that you're still your family member, you're still their advocate, you're still going to be there for them. And the fact that you know, you're educating them continues regardless of where the person in care is residing. It, you know, that just makes my heart feel good, feel great because we're not abandoning them. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to make the hard decision to place somebody outside of the home in many cases, but it's, it's the brave thing to do. And sometimes it's the best thing to do for everybody. Yes, it is. And I think that um, certainly with the um, with my experience, you know, it's one of the hardest decisions that a family or a, a care partner will ever make. And sadly, I think that in um, many of the traditional models of aged care support, the families um, can be left out. And, you know, I always say um, to the people that I work with um, in care communities, you know, what do, what do they do to invite family participation, to make families feel welcome and to involve them in care? Um, and sometimes just because of the system, families often feel that they can't contribute, whereas they have such a major role. Um, so, you know, it is about 
um, Montessori environments is really about respecting and involving everybody. Uh, you know, for family members, um, often when people have um, advanced dementia, they're unable to tell family members when they visit what they've been doing, what they've been eating, who has been to visit them. Um, and so often for family members, it can be a difficult time. You know, how do they talk to their people? How can they participate in a positive way? In a Montessori environment, you know, by focusing on memory books and um, reminiscence tools, storytelling and, um, you know, using fine motor skill activities, families can actually contribute to the maintenance of skills that people have. What a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to involve families um, in that way. I can remember one man um, who used to visit his wife every day at meal times and um, he would feed her and we'd done Montessori training and um, the, and Montessori is really if people are able to do something for themselves, enable them to do it. Don't take over that because what we're doing is robbing them of something they're still able to do when there are so many losses, um, you know, with dementia. And so the staff were saying to me, oh, he comes and he feeds her and he insists on feeding her and yet she can feed herself and that's against uh, what we were trying to do with Montessori. And I said, but why is he doing that? He's doing that because he wants to be part of her care and support her. So anyway, we're talking about it. I um, said to him um, when I saw him afterwards, I had a chat to him and um, I said to him, now that the staff tell me that that um, I saw you assisting your wife with her meal today and the staff tell me that she's able to feed herself. And this lovely man said, yes, I know, they tell me that. He said, but look, I like to feel that I'm helping. I like to feel that I'm doing something for her. And I said to him, I said, do you know that I've got some activities that you could do with her every time you visit that would actually keep her feeding herself? Would you like me to show you those? Well, he was absolutely over the moon. And instead of visiting at lunchtime, he changed his time of visiting and he went of an afternoon and he did fine motor skill activities with her. And next time I saw him, he called out across the room to me and he said, it's keeping her feeding herself, you know. And he was so pleased to feel that he was actually contributing to, to maintaining a skill that his wife had. So Montessori really, um, you know, cannot happen without involving family members. And I think that it's such a positive, um, a positive approach for families because often it's so, it can be, it must be so devastating in many cases. Um, and how do we support them? You know, how do we support them to support the person that they're caring for? When you started talking about um, meaningful engagement, it raised a question in my mind, you know, what would what could be some meaningful engagements or ac activities? And you kind of uh, went through a couple there. So um, you, you took my thunder a little <laughs> bit before I had any thunder. <laughs> but um 
Are there any tips that you could give our listeners as to how to engage? Sure. You know, when you talked about fine motor skills to keep her, you know, able to feed herself, that immediately popped into my head. What kind of things would you recommend that he do for that? Okay. Well, things like um, using um, using moving balls um, or using tongs, um, anything that where you're manipulating fingers, you know, raising, moving. We have what is called a simple ball activity so that you basically are moving balls from one bowl to another and then you raise it. Um, People using tongs, um, you know, those sorts of things, being able to sort out button colours, you know, that involves quite um, intricate movements of fingers and being able to manipulate your fingers. Meaningful engagement also is about um, the things that people have done all of their lives. That is part of what we call procedural memory. And procedural memory is a strength in people living with dementia. When we talk about memory, we talk about long-term memory being declarative or procedural. And declarative memory are facts and events. And I often describe it as things we went to school to learn. And declarative memory is always impaired with people with a diagnosis of dementia. However, procedural memory are our skills, our habits, uh, repetition priming and classical conditioning. And these are things um, that develop early in life and procedural memory um, is a strength until quite late in the disease process. So, um, you know, things that people have done, you know, uh, around the house, um, you know, folding, washing, sweeping, um, the things that they've always done. Now, sometimes we need to modify those and just tweak them so that people are still able to do it. So instead of standing up to, what's an example, instead of standing up to fold the linen, they might have to sit at a table, Um, you know, so, or, um, you know, we can use tasks breakdown. You know, one lady who lived at home, she wanted to be able to make her own cup of coffee and have a piece of cake without having to wait for her family to come. And the problem was because she had a sequencing deficit, she forgot, she'd forget steps of the process. So she'd put cold water in a cup, she wouldn't boil a jug, or she'd forget to put her coffee in and she'd end up with milk, um, sugary milk drink instead of a cup of coffee. So that was really important for her. So what we did was we put a task breakdown above her kitchen, on her kitchen bench next to her jug. And she was able to follow the steps to be able to make herself a cup of hot cup of coffee with a piece of cake independently. And for many people, it's about that independence because people lose, have the, um, can lose so much and they can lose so much because we overcare for them and they can lose so much because we stop. Um, we don't work with them and give them the memory supports that they need to be able to do those things that are meaningful for them. You know, that was one of the things that I have to say that I, I got wrong when when Mike's dad, Roger, came to with us. He was with us seven years and when he was at home with his wife, you know, she passed away and that's how he came to be with us. He was very much a helper around the house, um, you know, given tasks regularly. This is what you're supposed to do. And in my ignorance, when he came here, 
I thought, he needs to rest, I can take care of him. Uh, and he would come to me regularly and say, well, what do you want me to do? What, what can I do? And at first I would say, oh, you don't have to do anything. You can just go ahead, you know, and, and rest and relax. I've got this. Can't loaf all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, but once I realized that he didn't want to just sit and do nothing and tried to figure out things that he could do. I mean, he every day went and got the mail. He didn't open it, but it was his job to go and get the mail. He always put the dishes away from the dishwasher. I got him a feather duster and he, he did dusting. Um, he was very proud to tell his doctors that he cleaned the whole house every day and I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it meant a great deal to him, but it took me a while to understand that I wasn't doing him any favors by doing everything. That's quite right. And families often do that out of love and out of supporting people. Um, but, you know, we need to encourage people to do whatever they can for themselves. Every one of us need to feel that, we, that we're valued and that we can contribute to our families and to our community. And so sadly, I see so many people who are living with dementia, um, you know, who are, are robbed of that. Um, and they, people lose so much that anything they are able to do, we should be rejoicing in and we should be enabling them to be the very best that they can be, regardless of their level of um, cognitive impairment. And sadly, that's something that often doesn't happen. Um, it's a bit like, uh, you know, as a community nurse going into somebody's home and, and talking with somebody living with dementia and asking them questions and family members jump in and answer. And they do it out of love. They do it out of, you know, that they want to protect the person. And sometimes, you know, that takes away people's self-esteem, what they feel is their ability to answer for themselves. You know, it can, it's very difficult. My mum lives with advanced dementia and sadly she's losing her language skills. That is a huge loss for her because she uh -huh. is, a, she's a Miss Habichat. She was always life of the party and <laughs> told stories and, and um, loved reminiscing. And now she's struggling to find words. So her self-esteem um, has plummeted. And so we need to find the things that she can do and focus on those and make her feel good about the, the skills that she still has. So, you know, there is sometimes that fine balancing act giving people what they need, but also enabling them to be as independent and as possible to, um, you know, feel that they matter. You know, it's interesting that something also to keep in mind when you're allowing the person to, to do these things, to not criticize how they're doing, right? My dad wanted to help decorate for Christmas, and when he saw the Christmas tree, he would want to help. And so I would lay out all the Christmas ornaments and he would put them on the tree. Now, he had some macular degeneration, so his field of vision was small. And so all of the ornaments were in that one circle, which was right in his field of vision straight ahead. And he would say, I got all the ornaments on the tree. And I would say, thank you, Dad. Really appreciate it. And after he left, I would go and I would distribute them accordingly. 
And then after I lit up the tree and it was ready to go, I would invite him down. Dad, look at the tree. You helped make this tree so beautiful. But didn't criticize him for having them all in one spot. Do you and remember Treasure Hunt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, he would put the dishes away. And a lot of times things weren't in the same place twice. And if we were looking for something, I would say, time for a treasure hunt. This is what I need. Or she would say, this is what I need. And we would start at opposite ends of the cabinets and work our <laughs> way till, till we found it. But it was never going back to him and saying, hey, you need to put them away right. You need to put them away this way. It, it was always let him do what he did and then work it out afterwards and not criticize. And that's so very important. I always say that their way is the right way. Um, you know, that's the right way for them. And I think that, um, you know, again, that can be um, a hard a hard uh, realisation for many people, both professional carers and family carers and family support people, to realise that, um, you know, you don't have to criticise and that the person's way is okay. Um, certainly in a Montessori environment, um, you know, we, for example, um, you know, encourage people if they can make their own bed to make their own bed. It's not, perhaps it isn't perfect, but it doesn't matter. It's about people achieving that. And, you know, a good um, way to think about it, I, I use a term called, um, you know, dementia tai chi. You have to move with the dementia and flow with the dementia. And that means that, you know, that they will do it their way and it's not an issue. You just move with it and work with it. Just as you said, you know, okay, time for a treasure hunt. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be set in concrete. Every day is different. And even in Montessori environments where people are encouraged to do things for themselves, there'll be days that they don't wish to. Um, just like us. So it is that um, truly person-focused or centred and um, respectful uh, model, if you like, of support and care. Yeah, there are many days when I don't feel like doing anything. Every now and then I'll have a pyjama day. <laughs> yes. I mean, and it's perfectly fine. That's right. One of the people in my caregiver uh, support group was talking about I want to keep mom involved. I ask her what she wants for dinner, and a lot of times she can't tell me. And I pointed out, and I said, that happens almost all the time in, in households. You ask your family members what they want for dinner, and nobody can tell you. Um, so that's not necessarily a dementia thing. Um, and it kind of a light bulb went off in there that... Um, not everything is dementia-related, mm -hmm. but if she doesn't want to pick what's for dinner, then that's okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. I think sometimes, um, you know, it's it's an interesting and a journey that we learn things every step of the way. Um, and I think that, um, you know, we can certainly in my work and in my field, um, you know, it is just so amazing to see people um, maintaining independence and maintaining high self-esteem and and having things to look forward to and things to do, things where they can contribute. Um, and so, you know, it really is um, just not, uh, you know, in traditional aged care, um, often, you know, we give up on people. We give up on people, you know, they've got a diagnosis of dementia and so we just give up on them. You know, you don't ever give up. And, and you know, what we do know now um, is that people with dementia can learn 
Now, when I did my nursing training, you know, 40 years ago, um, you know, people, it was a well-known fact then that people with dementia can't learn. And yet we still see that attitude um, in aged care, in many aged care services. We have people with repetitive questioning, for example, or people Mm -hmm. who can't find where their room is. And in traditional services, we'd say, oh, that's just dementia. In Montessori, we say, okay, well, let's see if this person's able to learn where their room is or learn to use a cue card, like the lady who learned to use task breakdown on the, to make a cup of coffee. Um, you know, what we do know is that, is that many people with dementia can learn. And so, um, you know, what strategies do we put in place to enable them to learn the things or to remember the things that are important to them? Um, That is a technique called um, spaced retrieval. Um, But, um, you know, there are so many things that um, we can do to um, support people and, you know, enable them to um, be the best that they can be. And... You've been a caregiver or in the dementia care for 38 years. Um, It's about twice as long as us. Can you talk to us about where the age in dementia care was, where it is now, and where you would like to see it go? Okay. Certainly when um, I started, um, many of people living with dementia were um, cared for in large mental health institutions where they were cared for in um, groups of 40 people um, and um, there was very little activity. It was just custodial care. Now, over that time, we've moved where people now with dementia are part of mainstream aged care Um, So they um, are cared and supported in um, mainstream aged care. We've got um, people who have specialised dementia units um, and we've got lots of good care going on across, um, you know, we've got lots of good care going on. However, um, the research still tells us that we use way too many psychotropic medications Number one, the research tells us that people are left sitting, doing nothing for many, many hours a day. You only need to look at, um, you know, the research on activity and whatever. Depression, the incidence of depression for older people living with dementia in aged care. Um, We've got a long way to go. We, you know, we we overcare for people, we rob them of independence, we create excess disability because it's quicker and faster for the staff, you know. Um, So, you know, we've got a system. Um, We've also got a system in many countries and certainly in Australia, where the more more agitated somebody is, the more distressed they are, the more unhappy they are, the more funding the organisation gets to provide their care. So something's very wrong. Something's very wrong when we have a system where um, good care, where people who are happy and where where there's not a lot of um, responsive behaviours, you know, it's wrong when that system, um, you know, doesn't exist for in terms of financial um, support. So, you know, in my work, I have actually had uh managers say to me but 
you know, there's an opportunity, there's a possibility if we change our environment, then we're going to lose funding. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's terrible to think that people would even think like that. A CEO was asked, why are you putting Montessori in place when it's costing you money to train staff? It's costing you money to change parts of your environment. Um, and you're doing quite well doing what you've always done. And she stood in front of, you know, 300 people at a conference and she just said, it's quite simple, really. It's the correct and ethical thing to do. And that's and, and that, you know, really comes back to why people go down a Montessori pathway, because it is the correct and ethical thing to do. Um, but, uh, you know, it is much easier for our industry, for all our support services, whether it's community support, whether it's um, care homes or um, any sort of support, it's much, much easier to keep doing what we've always done. Um, and the problem with that is that we will always get what we've always got. And so Montessori is a, um, is a total paradigm shift in everything we do in aged care. Wow. Um, that's, uh, that's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and especially, you know, wow, kudos. It's not only correct, but it's ethical. Good for her. Uh, God bless her. I mean, that that's she just smacked them right in the face, if you will, um, and and good for her. And uh, this time has flown by. Yeah. It has been, <laughs> it has been an absolute joy talking to you. And I've learned so much about Montessori, and even just some basic um, care tips. Uh, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Thank you for the opportunity. I am so glad that I found you, and I hope this is not the only time that we're in communication because I think that you are absolutely invaluable to caregivers, and uh, I would love to talk with you some more. Wow. Yep. You know, sometimes, you, you know, you, you, I'm a big believer in things happen in the right time, and, and you find yourself where you're supposed to be. And seeing you on that Facebook um, was exactly what I needed to see because you have been just a wonderful teacher for us and for our listeners. And, and it, like Mike said, can't thank you enough. No problem at all. I'm happy to come back anytime. All right. I'll be in touch. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was writing notes left and right. You Me know. too. Me too. You go first. There, their way is the right way. I think that would reduce so much stress for people with dementia and their family members if we could just stop trying to get them to do things the right way and understand that they're doing it their way and for them that's the right way. And they need to feel valued and useful. Yes, that's, I wrote that down also. Um, and what, one of the things I took away was allow them to learn at their ability, right? It, just because they have dementia doesn't mean they have no ability to learn. Let them learn what they can. And those things could be or, or should be things that they've done all their lives. But one of the things I really got a kick out was her comment about the dementia chai tea. T yeah. <laughs> the dementia tai, tai chi. Yes, let I them do it. <laughs> Well, I have to say that I didn't 
we don't usually think in terms of people with dementia learning. And that Correct. is a definite eye-opener, and I hope it is for a lot of other people, and that's one of the things that we'll be talking to Anne again in the future, I hope. Yes. You can find more information about Anne on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we're dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please, subscribe to the show, go to iTunes and post a review. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that, dot, show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.